So I've got a question. Who exactly are you building technology for in healthcare? Is it the clinicians, the patients, the investors, the hospital executives? There's a lot of different stakeholders out there. So who do you design for? Well, a term that gets thrown around a lot that you've probably heard is user-centered design. And this week on the podcast, we're digging into that topic because this is another session taken from the Talking Health Tech Spring Summit, which we held in September. And this one's one of my favorite sessions. I say that every time, but it is. It was about user-centered design. It was moderated by Adam Wardell from Provisio, Dr. Katia Bittart from Digital Health Consulting Australasia, Dr. Malcolm Pradhan from Alcidian, and Dr. Stefan Herrera from the Digital Health CRC. And you'll hear more about each of those people after the music. But in this session, they talked about user-centered design and how important it is to have a user-centric focus on the workflow in healthcare. And as we know, it's complicated. There's different users, different needs, sometimes competing priorities that makes this process of creating a harmonious solution that's loved by all is really hard. But we all have a common goal. And it's not about centering around the users necessarily. It's about centering around the patient to create a better healthcare system. But as you'll hear, it's not really a healthcare system. It's really just a series of activities that are hobbled together. And so when it comes to change management and implementing technology and putting it at the heart of everything that gets done, Solving for specific problems first, as opposed to going in with the big dramatic solution that will solve it all, is critical. Focus on the challenges that are faced on a day-to-day by the end users, rather than a big bang revolution to fix healthcare. So in this panel session that you'll hear, each of the speakers give their perspective on it, and you'll take a lot from it. If you do want to hear more sessions from the Talking Health Tech Spring Summit, you can access all of the recordings as a THT Plus member on the Talking Health Tech website. Go visit the website, the video section. There's a couple of free ones in there too you might find. But being a THT Plus member, you get access to all of the recordings of the summits that have happened and you also get to attend them all live as they happened. And we're already planning for the Summer Summit in February next year. So get ready for that. But right now, this is the session called Front of Mind, User-Centered Design from the Talking Health Tech Spring Summit. Collaboration starts with a conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. We're all focused on user-centered design. And it's a term that we'll, you know, mention regularly on the podcast and it's in our Talking Health Tech glossary of terms. And it's something that, you know, gets brought up a lot and the concepts of co-design but we you know in this one we're really kind of focusing from a clinical perspective what does that mean when you're building health systems and solutions what does it mean to build a good interface for a clinician so i'm going to bring on a few people now firstly we'll bring on adam wardell he's going to be moderating this session hey adam how are you going today pete very well how are you how's your day going yeah look i start them off and then the conversation happens and then i come back so uh it's been pretty good i've got a good team behind me to help things kicking along too so for those that don't know adam uh from provisio he started his career on bedside right through to then everything on commercial various aspects of healthcare across discovery product development commercialization life cycle management we'll touch on a lot of that in this session i'll bring on the other speakers in this session as well we've got stefan katya malcolm Hi, everybody. Okay, I'll give a bit of an introduction for everybody too. Dr. Katja B. is founder and CEO of Digital Health Consulting Australasia. She's got an extensive background in communication, strategy, and governance. 
and she's worked in the health sector for the past decade. She was responsible for stakeholder relations, New South Wales Care Complaints Commission before founding Healthcare Innovate and also been involved in a lot of conversations in the Talking Health Sector community as well. We've got Malcolm Pradhan, co-founder and chief medical officer at Alcidian, who are THD Plus members, good supporters of what we do. Malcolm's got loads of experience, 25 plus years experience in medical informatics, a medical degree, a PhD in medical informatics, lots of good, interesting experience. And I've not done him justice by his short bio then. And Dr. Stefan Herrera, again, actually episode of the podcast that went live on the public feed. His episode 174, all about AI and ethics of AI, is something he's super passionate about. We might touch on that in this session, but it's a little bit of a different session, this one. But he's been heavily involved in IBM research where he's worked on DNA sequencing technologies. Um, he holds lots of patents, 65 patents, or is it more? 67. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's well regarded in the industry. So I'm going to hand over to Adam to take over this session on uh, user centered design. Thank you guys. Thanks very much, Pete. And it's it's great to have such an energetic team here. Uh, I, I can only foreshadow the fact that this is going to get loud and boisterous, and that's exactly the way that we want it. So um, looking forward to really sort of showcasing a couple of different things. It's a really interesting mix. And for the audience, it's, when we talk about user-centered design, it's really interesting to start with, you know, an organization, a, a company that's really sort of developing the product. And then Malcolm will sort of give you that overview. And then we've got Catcher that's really sort of helping a lot of companies. So she gets to see multiple things. And that's going to be really interesting to have a look at that aspect. And then really, you know, get the context from Stefan around the fact that it's almost the most organizations that you could jam into a single CRC and then try and get that moving. So some really systematic approaches. But Malcolm, I'd love to start with you just for the audience that don't know, look, a really brief overview around Alcidian and what it does, but more importantly, can you actually then say what your sort of impression of centricity is and how you've defined it? Thanks, Adam. Uh, yeah, so Alcidian's an ASX-listed health informatics company. Our main customers are in Australia, New Zealand, the UK. And our main product, uh, My Precision, is a platform that gets, we get data out of all sorts of different systems, including all you know, the big electronic medical records that are around various states. And our whole idea of taking that data out is opening it up into an open standards format uh, and then being able to do real-time decision support and algorithms on it to identify risk, to help automate tasks, to do all the stuff that, you know, I guess the original EMRs were not designed to do. They were really designed as literally electronic versions of the paper medical record. And um, for healthcare to be scalable and also to support new models of care like virtual care, you need a different approach. In the UK, we do that, but also we are also pitching less like a modular electronic medical record in itself and a new modern open standards sort of model. And we have mobility, we have web-based dashboards, but the difference I get for that we bring is that a lot of the systems in health have been designed around, if you like, a hospital-wide configuration. And really, you know, if you talk about, well, actually, who are the users where you've got different professional groups, you know, like doctors and nurses and allied and administrators like bed managers and all sorts of different people who are responsible to get patient through a healthcare process safely. So it's in the hospital space. And you're know, getting someone through hospital now as a team sport and requires a lot of coordination. And yet there's a sort of traditional view that, well, you've just got one system for everyone, which is your kind of standardized you know, medical record. So we've developed a very modular toolkit which allows us to take into account the different professional groups 
And we've now got a patient app as well, a consumer app, uh, as well as that specialty. So it's not just saying this is the doctor's view and this is the nurse's view of information. It's really about, yeah, well, what's that specialty? What are the concerns of that individual specialist? So for example, a lot of special, like say orthopedics and rheumatology, both are concerned about bones, but you know, the most they really probably have in common is they share a car park in the hospital. <laughs> so how do you then adapt the system and reveal the information in the ways that are contextually relevant to help make decisions? And I guess my view is that I think clinicians make too many decisions as well. So it's not just about presenting raw information, but how do you automate things for them and, and make sure they're concentrating on the, on the things that they need to? And then what about the individual patient and what their needs are and how does that influence the display of information and kinds of, of tasks that need to be done? So there's quite a few different users, there are different contexts and having a toolkit, if you like, or a capability that allows you to support all of that and have conversations about it even with, with users quite rare in healthcare at the moment where it's, you know, kind of a system. So we've sort of developed the product really for that ability to focus in on different types of groups. And the other factor I'd say is that we think about user design or you know, traditional design, if you like, but actually a lot of what we do is information visualization and information design, because it's, it's about revealing data in particular ways and the interpretation of that data, if we've got algorithms sort of working on it in ways that fit into the mental model of, of these very different types of users. I mean, it's really interesting to already hear that there's not just sort of a single user centricity, but they're really that multiple centricities and how you engage with that. And in fact, we might come back to that because you use a really interesting word for me and, and maybe it's good to go to Kacha here. The ability culture, you've heard about Alcidian as one company, but you've seen lots of different companies in your consulting practice. I'm just curious, do you see a common approach to, to what this looks like, or is there something that the varying circumstances that each company in changes the way that they have to look at centuries? Yeah, absolutely. And I acknowledge what Malcolm says that it's very context specific when, when we design for users, but I, I, for me, context is everything. And I guess when you look at different companies, different products and different workflows, it really is not only about understanding the different users, but also overall the context. So. That means the tech environment that needs, is there already literacy of the users of actually being able to use it? Is there an existing workflow? Are we creating something completely new? Why are we doing that? Is everyone on board? Does everyone actually reap a benefit from doing something differently? Uh, what Malcolm started as the centricity of or context around a user and how they want to use information we can see the context is even broader. If we look at how can we transform digitally successfully, we need to look at all those elements. And one of the really, really important things that I have seen is that there is a very, very clear shared and mutual agreement of what we want to achieve. So that is very important. And that's a goalpost that doesn't shift. Even if we go through agile processes of co-design, if we know where we want to end up, that is not a shifting goalpost. And the second really important thing is to contextualize it is, what does success look like needs to be defined at the beginning because otherwise it is a moving target and you will never achieve really success. So yeah, context is everything and it is different for every project and it does include regulatory, tech, cultural readiness, all those factors as well. Oh, cultural. There's that word. It's going to be really interesting when we get to that. Uh, I can already sense the, the dynamic building. So Katja, you, you've spoken about individual companies and Steph, I think it's really interesting this is a great opportunity to not only showcase just the breadth of the digital health CRC, but also your view of how 
if I was to say the ecosystem is building together and what those cultural differences are at the different layers, I'd love to really hear about what that happens when you're evolving through that process and what centricity means to your context. Fantastic. Yeah. So uh, it was really good to get this lineup before uh, looping in because what Malcolm and Katya talked about is exactly the kind of thinking that we find in our partner ecosystem. Alcidion is actually one of our core partners <laughs> in the CRC, so that's not accidentally so, and that's because that thinking prevails in our partners and in our partner ecosystem. Now, just, you know, up front, the CRC is, we're two things. We're an incubator and we are an investor in the digital health space. What that means is that we are, we are deeply involved in ideating and conceiving ideas, and then in designing ventures and project plans around these ideas that guarantee that at the end of the day, that they are producing real world impact. And that's right there already where the consumer sits, because we believe digital health is a consumer-centric services business. Digital health, clinically and commercially, is all centered around transforming data into value. And that's really something that we have deeply ingrained in our incubation framework, in our project adventure co-design framework. What we always do is we ask who's got what problem out there in the real world that needs to be solved. And that's always centered around outcomes for patients that are the center of this digital health dynamic data market space, as we call it. There are several other stakeholders in there, right? In our partner ecosystem, you, I talked about a cycle here, right? That cycle of data transformation starts with the patient and it goes back to the patient. And what it walks through in between is the data managers, curators, brokers. Then you have the analytics partners. We extract pieces of information from that data. And then we have our insights generators, the carers and providers, the clinicians who translate these pieces of information into actionable insights that they feed back to patients as the consumers in form of services for better diagnosing, treating and managing disease and wellness. So it's all about asking, what are we feeding back to the users, to the consumers, as we transform their data into values along the way? And this is really what our stakeholder ecosystem wants, right? They all have an interest in using data in these different spots in the value generation cycle to use data to transform that into value. That is what you can boil it down to. The whole thing only works if you enable flow of data through that ecosystem. It doesn't work when you have isolated data lakes. It doesn't work when you have non-interoperable data, data repositories. It doesn't work if you have analytic solutions that are not logging into this value chain. And it doesn't work. And that's, again, coming back to the consumer centricity, it doesn't work if the solutions that you build are neither trusted nor used by those who you intend them to use. So that's really the ultimate forcing function. That's something we built into our core design as we go about putting together partners, putting together projects. We have really engraved that into the DNA of how we go about this project co-design and conception scheme. We start early on with a co-design phase that ties in all the perspectives and current users to participate in the design of these solutions outright, right? And that then goes through cycles of rapid prototyping, evaluation, benchmarking, and making sure that what we built iterates toward that solution that the users and the consumers want and will use. It's really the red line through all of it. Yeah, absolutely. So we're having a session here today on user-centered design. 
I'm just going to give us the halfway sort of snapshot, which is Malcolm, you spoke about how the fact there's so many multiple users of a system to get to the value, that sort of value chain. Catch, you talked about how that context is really individualized for the setting of the product or the goal that you're trying to achieve. And Stefan, you've basically just said the whole thing needs to be connected together to make sure that we maximize the value. So here's the $600 question that I start to bring, which is how do we bring multiple users in multiple contexts and really connect them all together in a way that's achievable? Uh, Malcolm, I'm going to start with you because you, hmm. you've you got individual users in that sort of longevity. How do you do that? How do you bring them in, put them in? Well, I think the problem I have with that sort of concept at the moment, you know, I mean, that's a very idealized view and I, I think it's all great, you know, happy to see that vision. But, you know, I mean, I think people sometimes take for granted that the term healthcare system, the word system actually has the same meaning as other places. It's a whole lot of healthcare activities which haven't been designed and evolved in all sorts of unusual ways and even between different healthcare organisations. So, you know, let's not put too much on that word system because it's kind of not the same. And the other issue that we've got in healthcare is, you know, it's hard enough to get people out of the headspace of their immediate work. Everyone's so overburdened. And, you know, I think it takes at least half an hour to an hour for people, you know, if you get a clinician out of their environment, just to get them to start to think about things. And they're very practical people. You know, I left healthcare frontline and went into this informatics space. I'm not a very practical person. I'm much more kind of abstract in those ways. And they're very practical people. And if you're getting them to even think about, you know, well, what should this system be is a question that people purposely don't think about because they're dealing with what is and just trying to manage that every day. So the whole area of user-centered design is very complicated in healthcare because it's not like if you bring multiple people together, they're not actually working together in, you know, that's why we've had to force multidisciplinary teams to force integrated care and all these things because culturally these different pressures haven't worked together. And also their mental models are a bit different. So what we're finding is that also clinicians don't necessarily engage that well until they see their patients on, you know, in that system. It's very hard if you just got prototypes and just bring dummy patients together, they'll kind of intellectually engage and give you some feedback. But you know, the really valuable feedback comes in as you actually start getting you know, some of that data showing and they can play with it and see what it's like. Because, you know, they don't have the luxury of contemplation, you know, like we do sitting around thinking about what systems to design. They're dealing with real patients, you know, in that one-on-one very human way. And also from a product company, you know, we're, we're not building, just designing it. You know, we've got a, a design sort of system ourselves we've developed over years that we're evolving. So we're not starting from scratch, uh, you know, every time. But yeah, I just sort of thought that that's just sort of the reality of dealing with user centered design in healthcare. It's, it's very tricky. Yeah, Katja, you, you would have seen this in, in multiple products. So probably oh, I love, love Malcolm's comments. So definitely, um, it's also the expectation when we think of user-centered design and co-design. Are we really expecting that a clinician is an expert in developing digital products? And that sometimes, that's the feeling, but they are not. But what they're absolutely experts in is knowing their pain points. They know where the, the workflow and the process does not work for them or their patients. So I think when we come to co-design, one of the big emphasis, in my opinion, is understand the pain points. Go away, reflect, look at best practice in technique, but don't involve necessarily the precious time of clinical users. Come back with a solution where you also connect directly 
this is what you told me is your main pain point and this is what I think would be the best way to solve it. What do you think? So you're then coming back and giving them a solution, asking them for an opinion, but you're not requesting them to be an expert in digital transformation. And I think that is a good way to actually get some progress. So, you so, so what we tell our designers and our team is that, you know, clinicians don't necessarily know what they want, but they certainly know what they don't like. And I think that's sort of good to keep in mind. And it's also something we see, actually, as we put these problem statements together, there is a, often even a language barrier here, right? When you have a big tech player in the field, you have a clinician, just establishing a common ground to make sure that everyone understands the problem to be solved. And that's what you try. Please, uh, Stefan, that's yeah. where you sit and do your informatics course, right? So. I know. No, I know. That's where I'm going because what, where I'm going is educating the workforce, right? On what's possible, what's not possible, giving some guidance along the way of the technical development as to what that means and how it can be translated into the realm of these individual stakeholders. Because it will look different in these fields, right? A clinician, often they might have heard about AI and some of them, as you say, Katya, are experts in AI, but there's often a challenge here to understand, you know, what the technology can actually do, what it cannot do, and to do that explanation in a way so that it relates to their field. Do you have a workflow that requires you to look at mammography images and find certain patterns in there? So this storytelling and anchoring it in real world use cases, like you said, is utterly important. Otherwise, you're drifting off into the realms of theory and freewheeling brainstorming very quickly. And that's how we would go about amending these projects together with every stakeholder, because it also cuts the other way around, right? Often, if you have a platform provider or analytics expert, they don't necessarily know what the real problems in the clinical field look like, right? They might have built a pattern recognition solution on some fancy AI, but it might be completely beyond the point of what is actually needed in the real decision support system that a clinician would use. So this educational conversation about explaining what the pain points look like and what the opportunities look like is, I think, an integral part of creating any project space there and without losing track of the goal and the problem that needs to be solved. Yeah, I think there's that kind of hierarchy of needs. So, you know, we, we have the, like you said, when you have a bunch of algorithms and AI sort of stuff, but actually when you speak to clinicians, when I've asked them out front, like if you could have any algorithm in the world, you know, we can find someone or do some invention for you, what do you want it to do? And pretty much all the people I've asked that question to come back with some form of, you know, oh, that's all great, but I just want something to help me get home on time, you know, so you can think about a great idea, but as you've said, Stefan, you're integrating it into the workflow and actually making sure that you've solved certain problems so you can have the more interesting conversations. Otherwise, if people are just having 15 or 30 clicks just to get some bit of information every few minutes, or, you know, there's no room for that. But cognitively, there's under so much burden. Yeah. And I think if I can come in here with Malcolm, the other thing that from co-designing digital products is that you might work with a subgroup of uh, people who are interested in it. So they are a little bit techy, but let's not forget we are designing a process for a vast workforce of people who often do actually not like to engage with tech that much. They went into health because they are caring. They want to interact with, with people. So tech is an enabler for them. It needs to just work. It needs to be super simple. I don't want to think about it. So you also have to take that in consideration. The feedback might come from the subgroup that is really passionate and interested in tech, but it has to apply to a much, much more general workforce. And that's equally important in when designing products. I think it's also, you know, we've got to undo a bunch of other work because a lot of people's experience with IT is fairly negative. It's something that's done to them and not with them. So, you know, often there's that 
building that trust that, you know, so our motto internally, what we say is that every click or tap with the clinician is pushing a friendship. So, you know, it's yep. all, you know, focused right on that efficiency because you've got to win their trust to have those interesting conversations. And if I might just, because this is, I just have to say this, Adam, especially in the, we deal a lot with AI-driven decision support systems, right? And that recurring theme, will this tech replace me? Is this a threat? Is something that it's one of the deepest ingrained untruth in the field that I've ever heard because tech is really not there to replace humans, but to really assist them and to augment their capabilities. I think that is really what we just discussed about, right? Is like, how can you explain what this technology, how it can help? As you said, one of the things that we often see is, and this is where AI comes in into these workflows, is where you can, you can substitute repetitive automated processes and create room for clinicians to really have time for the patient interactions, for the creativity around coming up with new care models, ideas, the thinking. And I think that is really an opportunity pathway that I see for technology, not just for AI, but particularly so for AI-driven systems, where we can position them to really serve the human and support the human decision-making, the human, and free them for the kind of tasks that humans are best positioned to take care of patient interactions, for example. That's absolutely fantastic, Stefan. Look, guys, it, it, we could continue this conversation and we probably will offline because we love it. Just to really summarize a couple of things. Oh, Pete's back. Let me summarize for you, Pete. We've just had a discussion around user-centered design while you've been riding your horse. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really difficult in healthcare because there are so many different sort of centers, multiple user groups, multiple contexts. In fact, there's contexts that change even along the same product or within different products that need to be interoperable. But there is a common goal that we're all trying to achieve, and that really is that patient-centered outcome, which is we want to create impact in this system. Interestingly enough, it's not purely a system. It's just a series of activities that are hobbled together. And maybe that's an aspect that we need to consider because we're not actually experts in the technology and neither are we experts as clinician groups in change. And really, that's the big thing. The most important thing as we design with user centricity is to more understand the challenges that our users face in their day-to-day and what we're trying to solve for, rather than trying to expect to turn up with solutions. And I'm just going to raise a concept for healthcare. Maybe it's not user-centered design as much in healthcare because it's such a complex beast, but maybe it's user-considered and that we actually get consideration through that process of the pains that they face and the best way that we can focus that moving forward. Malcolm, Katja, Stefan, it's been a pleasure. Pete, we're going to have to hand back to you and try to catch up uh, a little bit of that time. Buddy, that was such a good uh, summary of some amazing insights from some really cool people. So thank you, Adam, Stefan, Malcolm, Katya. Adam, you've got a gig on the podcast anytime you're like, well, <laughs> we'll have to do this next time soon. Catch you later. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out talkinghealthtech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen.